This episode is brought to you by Hedgehog Health. The Hoglet by Hedgehog Health is one of the coolest sensory tools I've seen in a very long time. My youngest absolutely loves his Hoglet. The Hoglet was created by a special education teacher to appeal to autistic people, people with ADHD and other sensory seeking learners, as well as people who just love to fidget. The Hoglet is a plug and play wireless computer mouse with a specially made silicone cover. The Hoglet is covered in tiny nubs, kind of mimicking the look of, well, a hedgehog. The cover provides satisfying tactile sensory input, which many sensory seekers benefit from. It's perfect for classrooms, computer labs, working from home, or just bringing color and fidget fun to cubicles everywhere. The Hoglet is made of food grade silicone. It's durable, easy to clean, fun to use, and comes in five vibrant colors. For more information, you can click the link in the show notes or visit Amazon and search Hoglet Computer Mouse. That's H-O-G-L-E-T. Use the promo code AUTISMDAD1 and you'll get two free Hoglet fidget keychains. That's a $15 value, absolutely free. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski. This show is inspired by my own personal journey as a full-time single dad raising three autistic kids. It's all about special needs parenting, the challenges we face every single day, as well as some of the things we have to learn to navigate along the way. This season, we're gonna put a major focus on empowering and educating parents. We're gonna talk all about building a community of support around your family, the importance of self-care, as well as connecting with services and resources that are vital when it comes to raising a child with special needs. So be sure to check us out at listen.theautismdad.com, subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. On this week's episode of the Autism Dad Podcast, we're going to do something that I've never done before. And I'm, I'm really kind of excited about this because, uh, you know, one of the things that I we kind of keep coming back to on these Facebook Lives that I've been doing is kind of not relationship things, but just like how how people view the same experience in different ways or how we experience things differently. And so what we're doing today is I'm gonna be talking with uh, Ethan Sack. He's an autism dad. He's uh, gonna be here to talk about his journey and what his experience has been and kind of what navigating that diagnosis and, and that kind of acceptance process and what he's doing to kind of uh, you know navigate this, this whole journey, right? And then next week, we're gonna hear from his wife about the same thing and hear what her journey has been like. And, and we'll get to see how two people uh, can experience the same thing in different ways and, and where they focus their attention on and how things impact them and just kind of what their thought process is on this because it's so fascinating to see how two people can experience the same thing in such profoundly different ways. So uh, I really I really hope this is helpful and I hope that it provides insight to anyone out there who you know is in a situation similar to this to just sort of you know recognize that just because we don't deal with things in the same way, just because we don't process things or react to things in the same way, doesn't mean we're not plugged in. And it doesn't mean that we're not interested or, or anything like that. It just, we just, we're different people. And different people, especially men and women, handle things in different ways a lot of times. So I'm hoping that we can kind of gain some insight into this. And uh, I've got a few more of these scheduled. So th this is such a cool thing. And uh, I'm really excited. So thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. I really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy part one of this interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Could you take a minute and just sort of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and maybe something about your family? 
Um, I'm Ethan Sack. I'm from Lakeview, Michigan. Uh, just celebrated my 40th birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Thank you. Uh, right. I wasn't looking forward to that. Yeah, neither was I. Um, I've got three kids. I've got an almost 18-year-old son um, from a previous relationship and two kids with my wife. I have a daughter, Haley, who starts kindergarten this fall, um, who has ADHD and is currently getting medication balances from mm -hmm. it. And I have a son, Brigham, who will be three in June, who is diagnosed as a level three autistic child. Okay. And since 2022, the beginning of 2022, I've put all of my efforts into being a stay-at-home dad, helping my wife run our business out of our home. Wow. So it's really kind of been a new journey for me because I've always been the one that's been out of the house for, for work up till this point. I, I did, uh, mine was sort of similar to that. I, uh, was a fire medic and I, I worked shift outside of the house and I would be gone for, you know, sometimes I worked out of town. So it was easier to do like a 72 hour shift and then be done for the week, oh. you know? Uh, but that was really tough, you know, on, on people at home. And, uh, as my kids needs grew it, you know, I, I ended up having to, you know, make that career change and, and move to working out of the house. And it was, it was never, it was never really in the cards for me to quit at that moment. It was really COVID that drove me out of the profession I was in. I was doing a food retail. I was a supervisor for a, a pretty well-known grocery chain up here in Michigan. You have them in Ohio, uh, uh, Meyer. Oh, we just, we, just, we actually just got one in the area. Like I think last year really? it opened up. Yeah. And, and just, uh, just with COVID and the fact that we run a, a senior care facility out of our home, the stress on my shoulders to avoid customers at all costs. <laughs> so I don't get COVID. It was really just at a point where the job was no longer fun. Yeah. And, and being that Brigham was born in 2020 and, you know, we kind of noticed like he was, you know, behind where Haley was at that same age. And we didn't think anything of it. We thought, hey, you know, he just went to, a, you know, a Walmart for the first time, like in July. Like we kept him completely out of the public eye mm -hmm. just for his own safety. And so we thought like the lack of socialization led to like a development recession yeah and so we didn't really think anything of it and then once we did his two-year wellness checkup that june and they're like can he say you know 200 to 900 words and we're like well he says mom and dad i mean it's not 200 or whatever it was that they wanted for us to and it's just there was a lot of nose on that two-year wellness and then it was, it ended up falling in the category like, Hey, you know, maybe just, you know, get them tested. You know, it could be nothing. It could be something. And that was a whole, <laughs> the testing part really irritated me because I, I was the one that took him to the testing center. And the second I walked inside and we sat down in the room, I noticed none of their toys had batteries in them. 
or, or they had batteries that were nearly dead. So like he sat here pushing buttons on toys that were either omitting that creepy, like <laughs> animatronic voice. Like they're like, dying. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Or it wasn't doing anything at all. So naturally he's not going to engage with their toys. And I pull out, you know, cause I use his stroller when we go to, you know, Walmart or the doctors mm-hmm. or any sort of public place. I always use his stroller cause I can have, um, you know, diapers, drinks, right. uh, all, yeah. all the necessities for a toddler. And so I pull out his toy it, which was like a car that you pull back and then it kind of speeds off on the floor and, and engaged perfectly with it. And they marked him down for that because it wasn't their toy. And, and I just, that whole experience, like, like really you set him up to fail. And, and I just, I was so, and then they come back saying he's level three and I wasn't, I mean, we were kind of in denial from it just because of, the skewered testing is what I would argue against, but then, you know, it, it just became more and more of a, of a, uh, kind of like a reality, like, like almost like the five stages of, gr- of yeah, uh, grief. Uh, grief in a way, yep. like, like we were in denial from day one. Like he's, he's not autistic or if he is, he's not that bad. And, and, I don't think he is that bad. I still, it, deep down, it, like we were watching him today, and it's something we've never seen out of him before. He was, we had this little backpack with letters, and mm-hmm. it's got like a little etch screen and a voice that'll talk to you. And he's, the voice is saying, touch letter B, he's touching B, touch I, touch. He's getting them all right, and that we had never seen that before. And, and just like with Haley, um, Haley, like one day between two and three, like it's almost like a switch turned on in her head. Like she was watching TV shows and she was like, like noticing more in the world around her. Yeah. And I kind of think that might've been like his little like light bulb finally going off. But with him, it's like every day is different and he still doesn't talk. Yeah. So that's that's like you know maybe maybe we'll have to test for apraxia or something. Maybe it's it it's just been one heck of a journey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I just interviewed uh, Nikki White. She has a uh, a platform called Raising Ramy. She's in Ohio, um, about twenty minutes from me actually. And we were talking about her son, and he's diagnosed as being nonverbal, but he's starting to get words, and he's. She's like, you can, like, she can feel that it's in there and and Mm. it just, it only comes out every once in a while. And, but he's using words now in the proper context and at the appropriate times, you know, and it's, you know, I think I, I never thought my son was going to talk and I was told that he wouldn't and he did. It happens all the time, you know, um, (laughs) But I think like the biggest thing is like just having some form of communication until that. Right. Point. Because that's, well, that's rough. It, and, and we're torn right now. I mean, we, we know what direction of communication we want to at least like help him with until there either is speech or mm-hmm. he masters the other form. Um, but then we got, you know, we got 
his AB, his BCBA is telling us one thing. The school's telling us to go a different path. School is like, like, like he was starting to get sign language. But how many public school teachers nowadays have a hundred to two hundred words, you know, in sign language memorized for, you know, I would have to go to a, uh, you know, a class A school and. I mean, that wouldn't be hard. I think there's a couple around here, but for a town of a thousand people, I mean, they share a psychologist with like four other school districts. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it, why would I ever think that they would have a hearing impaired trained, uh, you know, uh, sign expert? Yeah. I, uh, that's what we did. We, we started learning sign language, um, because it was so hard to, I mean, communication was so hard because we're so used to communication being speech that, I mean, there, there's a million forms of communication, but we're, we're sort of tunnel visioned into that one thing. And so when someone doesn't speak, it's like, we're lost. We don't know, like, how do you communicate with someone who doesn't speak? <laughs> and, and it's, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. And, and the school will take, sometimes schools take different approaches than private facilities. Like if you have an OT or PT or speech pathologist inside of the school, it's going to be different than what you have in a private setting because they're geared towards specifically educational things. Whereas outside of school therapies are geared more for like daily functional life. Right. So they, they focus on different things. And and the biggest, the the most frustrating part about all of this is that we have all the medical diagnosis for not just him, but for Haley, the school won't accept a medical diagnosis. Yep. I was really frustrated with that. When my kids, when my oldest was diagnosed, uh, he was, he was diagnosed professionally outside of the school system. That's a medical diagnosis of autism. And then the school needed to have him evaluated by their school psychiatrist or psychologist in order to get the educational diagnosis so that they can implement things like an IEP or a 504 or like whatever types of combinations. And I was really, I was really irritated by that because I didn't understand, I didn't understand the difference. And I'm like, how, like, why do we have to go through this whole process? If like, like he has the doctors, like the top of the top, uh, best of the best, you know? And if he says he's autistic, who like is the school psychologist to question that? Like, but, but it's, it's, it's like, a they're different, they're different diagnoses for different things. And that, and that's, that was something I had to, I had to wrap my head around that. It, 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 and that's the, that was the craziest thing because uh, like they even said like, now don't be surprised if he, you know, doesn't qualify for all the, you know, in the school system. And I'm like, then he won't be going to your school system. It's put, you know, I'll go to a school district that has the resources for his needs. Yeah. You know, I, if I got to spend a half hour a day to get him there, uh, there's no way at, at this point in granted, there's three years to go yet, but there's at no way would I trust him to be on their playground at recess without a guardian at his side at all times. It is still early. Mm-hmm. But, you know, unless their unless their playground is completely fenced in, I mean, they got woods behind their property. They got a, a, a creek. I mean, there's a lot that could happen with, you know, only two uh, supervisors for the uh, entire lunch period. Yeah. You, you need someone who's equipped 
to handle all the potentials <laughs> right. that, can, that can come along with, with uh, an autistic kid. And some schools are really good at it. Some they're just, they, they just struggle. I, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to someone who, who works in a school system and the stuff that they do for their kids is unbelievable. I mean, they, they build these sensory rooms and they have these timeout places for these kids to go and decompress. And like, it's just such a really positive thing. My kids never had anything like that. And they went to a school for kids who are autistic <laughs> And they oh, didn't wow. have all of those accommodations. So it's like, um, <laughs> it's just kind of hit and miss. And, and unfortunately, I think when you're in a smaller town, the, the, you know, the options are, are more limited. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like the small town life. I, I, I don't miss the traffic of, of Grand Rapids or Kalamazoo, but I gotta, I gotta tell you, there ain't shit for resources up here. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like where I'm at, I'm in Ohio. So I was just, we're just having this conversation on my other podcast. Um, we're resource rich, but connection poor. So we have the resources. People just don't know they're there. There's, there's not that, um, there, there's no like connection point where people can be like, Oh, okay. So this is available and this is available and this is available. So they just assume it's it, not. And that was, that's what we're running into. Cause we have a, uh, a, uh, case manager through our county's, uh, uh, care network. Yeah. And Chel my wife, Chelsea found more on Google on her own time than what has been presented or even known through this place. And it just makes me wonder, like, like I know autism is a growing thing, but are you going to wait for it to be one in five before you really look into, Oh, how can we help these people? Like at what number of uh, percentage of births that are autistic or it doesn't become priority enough for you to, you know, open Google. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it. I, yeah, it's frustrating because a lot of times people don't pay attention until it touches their life. And by that point, you know, you need to have that infrastructure in place in order to accommodate these kids and help them to, you know, reach their potential and be as successful as they possibly can. And, and, uh, that early intervention is absolutely, vital to, you know, assisting in that, you know, but I, I totally feel your frustration, man. Like I have been there. I was there three times and it, it was, right. I, it was I couldn't frustrating even... <laughs> every single time. And my, my 17 year old was the last one who was diagnosed and I was in complete denial, absolute complete denial. I, he, he seemed like, you know, like air quotes. So people don't get offended. Like he seemed normal or, or neurotypical compared to what his brothers were because I had two kids on opposite ends of the spectrum. And then I had this kid who was, you know, seemed like he did really well, didn't have any struggles, was doing just fine. Comparatively speaking to, to what my, my bookends, you know, with his brothers, that, that frame of reference. And, you know, it was, people would be like, ah, you know, Rob, like, I don't know. And I'm just like, no, he's fine. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong. And it wasn't until I took him to preschool orientation and I saw him interacting with peers that it just felt like I was run over by a freight train. Like it was, it hit me. Like I, I broke down and cried. Like I, I had to leave the room because I, I couldn't believe that I hadn't seen it. And then I felt guilty because 
how much time passed that I could have been getting him help. And I just wasn't, I just didn't see it. And so then, you know, we went down that path and he was diagnosed as well and he's doing great now, but like, but it is a, it's a journey to go down that path. And, and I, I think dads, dads really struggle. They tend to really struggle with just ex, like accepting things and, and, you know, it seems like you've done a really good job of, of doing it. I mean, like you want to cross the I's and cross the I's. Oh my God. <laughs> cross the T's and dot the I's, right? Like you don't want to have your kid slapped with a label if it's not accurate. Right. Which seems perfectly reasonable to me. I mean, I don't want my kids labeled if it's well, not accurate. And the more, the more that we learn about autism too, I mean, I would say there is a slew of undiagnosed kids from our generation <laughs> and from Gen X yeah. and boomers and Oh yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, everybody's got a stem that, that really, and like for some people it might be music for others. It could be, uh, you know, like a food preference or a texture and, yep. and in the fact that now it's just one in 36, I think that's a, a gross under diagnosis of everybody up to this point in time. Yeah. Those are just it, identified. It's identified cases. Yeah. I, I was, I went, I'm 44. I went 43. I went 42 years. I was diagnosed at 43 with ADHD. I had no idea because I just present really weird. So like, I'm not hyperactive or anything like that. I just, it's like a focus thing. Um, and I went all that time without being diagnosed, you know, and there's a lot of adults. I know a lot of adults who, if I had to put money on it, you know, they're, they're, they're on that spectrum somewhere. Right. right. And, and and who's to say the spectrum is just three tiers. I mean, maybe at some yeah. point it'll be five or six. Yeah. Where it's just like, you know, a texture or a, or sound or, or it, I, I think there's a lot more they can do behind the scenes to develop even a better strategy of diagnosing. Oh yeah. And, and I think, I, I think, you know, a lot of kids, can be autistic and just sort of make it through life without those accommodations, without those, uh, without that additional help, without anyone really noticing. It doesn't make them any less autistic. It just means that, you know, they, they managed right. in, in, in some way. And, and you're right. I think it does sort of skew the, the statistics, uh, because I think we're getting, I think we're dying. We are evaluating more kids and I think we're better at evaluating. So like people are more aware. So teachers, especially teachers pick up on this stuff and they'll point things out to parents or parents will point things out to the pediatrician or the pediatrician points things out to the parents. I mean, more people are aware. So there's, there's fewer kids I think that are slipping through the cracks and you know, they get diagnosis or, or they get, there's fewer kids slipping through the cracks. So they right. get that diagnosis and then that opens up doors for the services that they need in order to, uh, thrive, you know, and it's, but it is, it is tough. And I, I totally feel your frustration, man. I totally feel it. Well, our, our biggest thing right now too, is just keeping him safe and, um, like going outside is like a battle. We live on a corner lot in our town. Um, one, one inter, part of the intersection is a stop and the other is a through a throughway. 
but he loves anything that spins. So anytime there's a car that goes by, he's looking the wheels. at that wheel. And, and and so now we're trying to figure out, you know, is there a government agency that helps provide fencing or, uh, you know, can we get him on disability how, to help fund some of this stuff? How old, how old is he now? He'll be three in June. You could apply for SSI. Yeah, that's what we're in the midst of doing now. We didn't even know that was an option. And our, yeah. our uh, of course, our case manager. So I don't think you can. And then, of course, I find it on Google while she's saying you, it. You could just go. I mean, you could just go to the Social Security website and apply. Online. Yeah, I think. And I think we just need a couple more things. But it's just like it's more about like the 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 big part of that is like the medical releases. So yeah. you need to make sure like all of your. Uh, all the doctors and therapists are aware and that they uh, releases are signed so that you can get all that documentation sent into social security. And then, you know, you'll get that. I don't know. I think it's like $975 a month now or something like that. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, that can be used for anything uh, related to the daily needs of your child. And if that's fencing, it's fencing. If it's security stuff, there's security stuff, Probably but it also kicks him over for his bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Got it, the old it, wooden one still in, in Ohio. It kicks, it would kick him over to Medicaid, which then would cover everything for him, which is a huge, a huge thing. Um, but there are other programs for like GPS trackers and we have things like that. So if, if they, there's Angel Sense. There's um, oh my god, I can't think of the other one. Uh, Project Lifesaver is another one. Angel Sense. I, I really like Angel Sense. A little tiny. I mean, it could just be a watch. They have a watch now, <laughs> and you could set up boundaries. So, like, if your kid leaves the backyard, you're alerted immediately, and then you can intervene. You know, I mean, there's and uh, some of these things are getting funded or reimbursed through. Uh, whether Medicaid covers some oh, of it wow. with, uh, with, uh, um, Oh God, I can't think of what it's called, but there's also uh waivers. So if you go with your local board of DD and, and get him evaluated, cause I think it's, it's three and over is when you can be evaluated by the board of DD. I think, I think, I don't, I don't know for sure. <laughs> so just call your local board of DD, but they can, uh, they can provide a lot of that stuff. They have waiver funding for, if you qualify for a waiver, it covers all kinds of stuff. You can retrofit the house for safety things. Um, you know, if you need to secure windows or secure the property, I mean, there's, there's funding out there to cover a lot of these things. It's just a matter of asking the right questions, connecting with the right people and, uh, being a little tenacious, which I get the impression that you guys are. Oh, so. we, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so just don't let go of that bone, right? Just keep chewing on it. Well, you get what you like need. up here too. And it's, it's such a sad situation, but we've had like six autistic children wander off their properties. All six have either, you know, drowned in a creek yeah. or they've been, you know, I don't think there's 50, one instance where they come home safe. The 51%, the statistic used to be a few years ago, it was 51% of autistic kids will wander from a place of safety to they gravitate to water train tracks yeah. busy intersections because they like the wheels spinning or the, the there's something about water um and far too many of them are are not uh positive outcomes so i totally i only had my my oldest is the only one who ever wandered 
And he was very deliberate in what he was doing. So he would just sort of get lost and then just start following one thing to the next to the next. <laughs> and he, he wandered out of the house once and started collecting up recycling throughout the neighborhood. Oh, jeez! His scared the crap out of me because I didn't know where he was for like 10 minutes. I'm freaking out. But it, it, it just, he just would just, you follow the shiny, right? It's just like they, your kid's got the wheels. He's got video games. And then from that, he went to something else, to something else, to something else. <laughs> like you couldn't, you couldn't find him. And so, you know, but it, but it is scary. Ugh. It's very scary. Yeah. I, I don't even let my daughter like cross to the next aisle in the grocery store. Like if you're out of my sight, you're in trouble. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I get that. Um, so do you feel like that's one of the biggest challenges right now is just safety? Safety, especially in a 119 year old house. Cause that's what we live in. Uh, we got about half of it done. Me, the, me too. <laughs> the other half is still, uh, yeah, like win- windows and cosmetic siding and stuff, but but the windows are like the big thing because he's a thrower. When he's done with a toy, he's had a tendency to just chuck it randomly in the air and it'll bounce off drywall. It'll bounce off windows. It'll bounce off ceiling fans. And like, what's going to happen when that window breaks? Is that sound going to attract him to it? I mean, he, he's got a pretty good throw too, but I don't think on like thicker pane glass, I don't think he's going to have the ability to penetrate it. But my, my house is a hundred year, 120 years oh, wow. old. And I'm, I'm looking at one of the original windows right now as we're talking and it's, you can tell they're really old because you can sort of see the glass kind of running down, yeah. you know, where it gets sort of, uh, like you can like move it with your face. Almost like it's melting a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. They're re- it's real thin too. Like I've, I had to replace the windows in my son's room. I don't know how many times I just started using plexiglass oh, after the first, um, Cause he's on a sec, he was on the second floor and he just kept the windows kept breaking. And I'm, I don't know why it took me so many times replacing the glass before I was like, oh, idiot, why don't I do this plexiglass? <laughs> oh. No issues since then. No. Yeah. Oh, shoot, maybe we'll just off. start out with plexiglass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have like, I mean, you can get like, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot better now things available than what it was 120 years ago. Oh, yeah. I don't know how these windows are still original, honestly, but, uh, we have this huge, huge bay window in the front of the house and it's probably like, I don't know, it's like four by four big, just one sheet of glass. And I've been here for almost 20 years and I can't, I shouldn't even say it. I'm just going <laughs> to knock on wood, but it, it has not once broken. It's been a hit and run into, and mm. I don't know how many times. And, uh, that's my fear is that that's going to, they're going to go right through that, but they're older now. So they, yeah, they, know. they have, yeah. Brigham don't care. He's just in that terrible two stage. Well, probably for the next year or so, he's probably going to be terrible two going on three. Yeah. <laughs> Haley, Haley's a five, <laughs> uh, a five, uh, major. Uh, she already acts like a preteen. So <laughs> she's not really into being around her parents at all. Yeah, that's kids, man. What uh if you had if you had one message to send to other parents who are going through this process right now, what 
Like, what would that message be? I would say you will see something new out of them every day where it might seem hopeless. You could turn around tomorrow and they're counting, even if they're not saying it, even if they're just noticing and doing, you know, hand motions or like mm-hmm. with Brigham with his uh, his alphabet uh, backpack, yeah. you will see progress every day. Um. But just, but beyond that, just be vigilant. Like if you're not getting the answers you want from your school, from your doctor, from your, if you have a case manager somewhere, do some research, just type in Google. I mean, you'll find some answers. I mean, we're still, we're still neck deep in what we're finding. Um, But there's like, I emailed one company Friday about, Hey, do you guys sponsor fencing for toddlers? It was more wheelchair ramps is what they did, but you know, still it, all it takes is time. And it doesn't no, have to ask. I, I'd rather get a hundred no's knowing, okay, at least I tried than one no. And then just, well, nobody's going to help us and just stomp around the yard wishing I could. It might be that third or fourth <laughs> try that, that, you know, gets you the answer you're looking for. That's good advice, man. It's very good advice. Uh, and I think, your wife, Chelsea, is going to be on. I think she said Thursday. 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 We're At the time of recording, we're going to do that. And I think I think I want to play these back to back. Like uh, these are released on a Monday. And then I'll have it be kind of like a part one and a part two to get to have like your perspective of what's going on and have her perspective of what's going on, because it's really interesting to see. She's the college grad. So she's the one that's doing more of the research than me. Like she'll send me a link, like, Hey, check this out. I'll do, I'll do like an email or something. Like we just saw a flyer in one of the newspapers we got about, you know, need help with, uh, you know, care at home or whatever we can sponsor. And that, you know, that's where I started emailing. And but no, she is definitely the researcher. <laughs> She's the one that's not taking no with for an answer. <laughs> it's it's just it's I have I've never this will be the first time that I've interviewed husband and wife, like the mom and the dad, because that's normally it's the moms that talk, which is great because you know there's all kinds of insight we can gain from that. And occasionally I get dads that'll come on and talk, but it's so cool to have to be able to speak to both people. And, and, and just get that different perspective because everybody sort of sees things a little bit differently and they experience things a little bit differently and their outlook is a little bit different. And I think that's so relatable. I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to, to have these conversations with you guys. So I really oh, appreciate any, it. Anytime. And, and I know, <laughs> I know you guys, you guys have a business, yeah, right? Uh, Lake house assisted living up here in Lakeview. Okay. So if we can. I'll add that information to the uh, the uh, show notes so you guys can kind of get that plugged and uh, you know we'll we'll go from there. But I, I really appreciate your time and this is a really good conversation. And uh, I this really was my first podcast. I, <laughs> well, you did gr- you did great, man. I, I think um, I think it's good to talk about these things because sometimes, especially as dads, like we don't because we have in our heads, like we can't whatever, but like, I totally respect everything that you're doing, stepping up and changing careers and and coming home and doing that. I mean, I, I followed a very similar path 
And there's not too many of us out there that do that, but it's badass, <laughs> man. And I, I just, uh, I, I have a lot of respect. Well, as long as we can uh, keep making you, so. money, I can stay home. Otherwise, I'll have to go back somewhere. <laughs> yep. You just do what we got to do. And yeah, so uh, it was really nice to meet you. Thank you. Oh, anytime. Real quick, before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I, I really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and it has a positive impact on your life because that's what I'm aiming for here. As a reminder, you can visit listen.theautismdead.com. You can learn about me and anything related to the show. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps so you never miss a new episode. And please take a moment and rate us on Apple Podcasts. There'll be a link in the show notes below for you just to click and it'll take you right there. It takes like 30 seconds and it makes a big difference. So it's a great way to support the show and uh, help keep the wheels turning. So have a great week and we'll talk soon.